Blog Talk Radio. Podcast, and this is episode 28. Uh, I am your host, Scott Jarvis, and I am here today uh, with my co-host, Michael Shepard. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. You? Good. Not too bad, man. Uh, just trying to survive the summer heat in California. That always sucks, but uh, just yeah. for you listeners, yeah, it's not it's not always fun. Uh, just so, uh, for you listeners, uh, Victor Atkinson, who normally joins us as my other co-host uh, is either ill today or has something else going on. I was unable to get a hold of him, uh, so it's just going to be uh, just going to be me and Michael today. Uh, but that's all right. We hope Victor's well, and hopefully he'll return to the air with us next week. Um, and before we jump into the show, uh, I want to remind our listeners that they can call in uh, anytime and talk to either myself or Michael about anything boxing related. The number to use for that is six five seven. Three eight three zero three nine one. All right. Now, with that said, Michael, uh, we have a bevy of uh, fight fight reviews and previews to cover today. Uh, so we'll jump right in. Uh, I want to I want to start with the ESPN Plus card that went down last night. Uh, headlining that card was uh, the all time great uh, welterweight Manny Pacquiao. Uh, he took on and defeated uh, Argentina's. Lucas Matisse in a 12-rounder, uh, which ended in the ninth, uh, or I'm sorry, not in the ninth round, in round seven uh, when Pacquiao stopped him, uh, earning Pacquiao not only the WBA regular welterweight title, uh, but his first stoppage in nine years. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you take the reins with this one, Mike. What did you think of uh, both the fight itself and uh, the performance both guys turned in last night? I thought Pacquiao definitely looked uh, the Pacquiao of old. Um mm-hmm. I thought he started well against Matisse from the opening bell, firing out his jab and his combinations against a kind of a, a slower opponent. Right. Uh, took control in the third where with a nice little uppercut where he split uh, Matisse's guard, which Matisse, uh, that was the first knockdown for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the fifth, he kind of a, it's kind of a strange knockdown. I don't know whether you saw the, the same thing where he, he landed a right hand to the temple, which Matisse kind of like just took a step back and t- took a knee. Yeah, it's kind of a delayed type of thing there. Yeah, definitely delayed. I, I kind of at first wasn't really too sure what was going on, but then <laughs> right. I obviously because it was kind of odd, not really, like not your usual kind of knockdown, and kind of just grazed the temple, and obviously he must have knocked his equilibrium out of balance or something. So he must have decided to take a knee for that. And then Pacquiao kept, never really kind of let up after that. Just definitely quicker. Always seemed to be a step ahead. Uh, Matisse started to try and bide some time with a few low blows, I think, and then obviously <laughs> just ended it by overwhelming Matisse in the seventh round. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was a bit surprised. I didn't think that Pacquiao was going to kind of walk through or dominate Matisse the way he did. Um, so I have to give Pacquiao credit for that, uh, especially because he's looked poor. You know, he didn't look very good against Jeff Horn, or, or he hasn't looked great since, you know, before getting knocked out by uh, Marquez back in 2012. But, uh, 
I, I did expect a little bit more, Michael, from, from Matisse. Um, I know both guys are well past their prime, but I thought uh, the machine would at least show up and, and maybe let his hands go if he got desperate, you know, and uh, I kind of thought he was in kind of deep or difficult waters early on. I mean, it was clear from, I thought, round two or so on that Pacquiao had, you know, complete control over this. Um, now, I'll agree with you that that he certainly looked like the Manny Pacquiao of old, at least to, to a large degree. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, um, because I'm sure everybody read my tweets last night, so they know what I thought. Um, how much of that performance from Pacquiao can be attributed to him turning back the clock? And how much of that is, is the opponent, you know, or, or the competition that the level of competition that was in front of him? I think the level of competition, personally, I thought Matisse didn't look too good in his last fight against uh, that Tiwara Karam um, yeah. in, in Los Angeles, where I was at the fight. The crowd actually started to boo him until he actually knocked him out. Um, <laughs> so I think Matisse, I think just uh, age has caught up with him, and then I think Styles makes fights. Even in the prime, yeah. Pacquiao was always going to be uh, oh, faster, sure. a, a faster puncher, faster combination puncher. So I think... He was just good matchmaking, and then Matisse just aged catching up with him. Right. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I mean, e- even in decline, I mean, that that's a testament to how great Manny Pacquiao is or was uh, at his prime or, you know, uh, close to either side of that prime, um, you know, that he can do what he does at 39 years old. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. It, you know, a, lo- a lot of how a fighter looks at any level or any point in their career has a lot to do with who they put in front of them. Um, and we'll kind of touch on that again later when we talk about uh, Teofimo Lopez. Um, but for the time being, uh, as it pertains to Pacquiao, um, I liked what I saw. Uh, I just kind of thought Lucas Matisse kind of phoned in his performance. Um, and I thought his his punch resistance was definitely not what it used to be. Um, and I know maybe that fight with Provodnikov, you know, took the last bit of gas out of his tank. Um, but it was just a really bad look for Matisse last night, man. Um, now moving forward, Michael, uh, I, I'm of the opinion that, that Matisse should probably retire. Um, I don't know what else he has to give or what else he can really do, you know, at the top levels or even the, you know, the, the, the penultimate level of the sport. Um, I, I just, you know, the second tier, you know, I, I don't know that he can be competitive with, with guys like a Garcia or even like a Thurman or something, you know, one of the champions that maybe isn't on the level of Spence or Crawford, but uh, I, I don't know. What, does Matisse have anything left to give in your opinion? Uh, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the wars he's had with like Provetskyoff and stuff like that tend to, mm-hmm. he's never been the same with the heights he's been at. I don't see him, you know, just lying around and trying to pick up the odd small title here and there when he's already been, at the top of the tree. So yeah, I think retirement would be right for him. Yeah. I think, I think actually after last night, I think, you know, at age 35, I think it's the perfect time to, to step away from the limelight and, and, you know, you know, so that we can say, Hey, thanks for the memories and thanks for the fights and, you know, good luck. Um, now, as far as Manny Pacquiao goes, Michael, uh, realistically speaking, uh, what would you like to see him do next? And where do you think he goes next? I think Manny's probably going to choose the path of least re, least resistance, but the most money with his uh, with him having money troubles. So, sure, I'd imagine he spoke before about trying to get a fight with Terence Crawford um, <laughs> or Lomachenko. So, 
But unfortunately, in my opinion, I think he'd lose both of those against the two younger, faster, more skillful guys. Um, yeah. Outside of those two, maybe Jeff Horn in a rematch, intriguing rematch over in Australia, maybe. Or maybe the winner of um, Danny Garcia. The Danny Garcia fight against uh, Sean, Sean Porter could maybe yeah, the, be belts on the line for that. I, I thought about that one last night too. The the you know him fighting the winner of uh, Porter and and Garcia, uh, but top rank or Bob Arum and Todd LaBeouf really don't usually do business with with you know those guys over at the PBC. Uh, so I'm wondering if that wouldn't be a roadblock there. But uh, that would be an interesting fight, especially if uh, you know the winner of that fight beat Manny or fought Manny and then and the winner of that fight uh went on to fight, you know, Spence Spencer Crawford or something like that. Um but I, I'm with you. I I think he's going to continue kind of continue his retirement tour against, you know, faded or, 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 or second tier opposition. Um I know that I'm sure top rank and I'm sure Terrence Crawford would love to get Pacquiao in there and then, you know, maul him and even stop him and knock him out or send him into permanent retirement. But uh, I, I think I recall somebody at top rank, it may have been Aram or LaBeouf that said, uh, or LaBeouf, sorry, that said uh, that Pacquiao was openly said he didn't want any, any part of Crawford. They didn't need that trouble. Um, and that was a while back. But, I, you know, like we were just talking about a few minutes ago, um, Pacquiao's performance last night was impressive. Uh, but again, that I think that had like you, I think that had a lot to do with, with who he had in front of him. Um, God, I, I, you know, is, 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 as good as Pacquiao still is, even at this stage of the game at 39, almost 40 years old, you know, I don't think that he would be nearly as competitive, <laughs> Uh, with Crawford or someone like Spence or, you know, either one of those guys. So, um, yeah, I think he probably, I don't, I honestly couldn't tell you where I, who I think he fights next. I think maybe a, maybe a horn rematch. Um, there's some intrigue there. I wouldn't mind watching that again. Um, but I think Pacquiao would have problems with horn just because of Horn's style. Um, and like you said, and everybody always says styles makes fights. So uh, I guess we kind of have to let that one play out. And it didn't sound like in the post-interview, Michael, that uh, the post-fight interview that Pacquiao was even certain he was going to to fight again this year. I know that woman asked him and he kind of, uh, you know, that's the plan. But, you know, it was kind of up in the air. So uh, I don't know, man. Um, I don't really need to see Pacquiao fight anymore. I kind of wish he'd retire, too. Um, I, I, you know, there aren't any, really any happy endings in boxing for fighters. So, uh, you know, I don't want to see this, this guy just because of what he did in his prime and, you know, his status as an all time great fighter. Uh, I don't want to see him go out, you know, I don't want to see him get hurt or, or get dropped and knocked out like Mike Tyson get, did against the journeyman. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we got to kind of let that one play out. I'm sure we won't hear anything about it for, for months at a time. Um, now keeping the show rolling along, Michael, um, and I'll let you take the reins with this one too. Uh, the, uh, headliner over on the ESPN card, regular ESPN card, uh, was, uh, 140 pound champion Re- Regis Progre versus Juan Jose Velasco, uh, obviously a 12 rounder. Um, 
And uh, Progray played, I thought, played with his food a little bit before he stopped his man uh, nearly two minutes into, the, into round number eight. Uh, and with that win, of course, uh, he enters the Super Lightweight World Boxing Super Series Tournament that I think starts uh, in the fall. Uh, but, uh, Michael, I'll let you take this one again. Uh, what did you think uh, specifically of Progray's performance, uh, the fight, and then uh, his, the behavior from his corner? Um, I think he did the same as what you said. He kind of played with his food a little bit. He's mm-hmm. considered by many to be the number one in the uh, 140 weight class, and I don't think he did anything really to dissuade anyone of anything else. Uh, it was sure. a good performance, eighth-round knockout in front of uh, his home city of New Orleans. Uh, kind of good to get some fights down there after everything that's happened around that time. Um, he landed a lot of combinations. He worked the body very well. Showed fast hands, good movement, uh, landed mm-hmm. some decent shots. Um, Velasco didn't really do much. He was just quite, quite a lot of just really of a, of a punching bag. Um, I saw that Progray was just put from the start of the fight. Obviously, he had the game plan just to put a lot of money in the bank. He uh, was just really, really working the body from really, from really early on. So I thought that was a good tactic to do to try and get Velasco out of there. Um, I didn't really like Velasco's corner with obviously sending him back out there after saying he was kind of over it. You could tell just by looking at him that he wasn't really in it anymore. His heart was gone and kind of disgraceful. And I hope the Boxing Association kind of look into it to uh, yeah. to make sure his corner is fined or warned or something like that because I think everybody saw it at home from the TV that um, he wasn't in it. He went back out there and just took another two minutes of, of a good beating, really. Yeah, I, I really can't add anything to, you know, your breakdown of Progray's performance. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Regis Progray. I have been for the last few fights. Um, but, yeah, he's, I mean, he always looks sharp, and he really did last night. Again, I, I, the eye test tells me that Progray is, is at least very good. Um, we won't know how much better he is than that until he, you know, he, he gets in there with, with somebody that's, a, you know, some stiffer competition. Um, well, but I, he has I, flaws. Yeah, oh, yeah, I see plenty of flaws, Victor, but I, uh, you know, I, he's looked impressive thus far. Um, and I actually favor him to win the, the, the 140-pound, 140-pound tournament. Um, but before I get your thoughts, Victor, um, I'm going to give mine real quick on Velasco's corner. Um, that look on Velasco's face, you don't see it a lot, or I haven't seen it a lot from boxers um, in the entire time I've been watching the sport. But when he told his, when the, you know, when the translator said, I don't want anymore, I don't want to go out, or whatever it was he said, the look on his face was like, there was almost a look of fear, not just, you know, resignation or capitulation. He was just done. Um, and I thought it was pretty, pretty classless and tasteless that a trainer would, you know, force, force his guy out there and tell him, no, you're not done. Um, I, you know, I had a problem with that, but uh, I'm with you, Michael. I hope I kind of hope they kind of look into that and find out what went on there because uh, he took some pretty hellacious punishment there at the in the uh, eighth round before his corner finally stepped up and threw in the towel. But uh, uh, Victor, I'll let you go ahead and, and uh, give us your thoughts on this fight. I mean, y'all pretty much covered everything. Just like Velasco's corner was disgusting, though. That was completely yeah. pointless. Also, yeah. Rogue Race kind of a dick to just come on and be like, 
I don't think he took the fight seriously. I think he took the fight seriously and just got outclassed. That's kind of exactly what it looks like when you try to box somebody that's way better than you. <laughs> right. Especially if you don't, like, finish them immediately. That's exactly what is supposed to happen. That's not his fault. He's not as good as you. You're a good boxer. Like, when you're in a mismatch, yeah. that is what it's supposed to look like. Right. Well, that's the thing. I I mean, this fight was clearly a showcase for Progre, uh, you know, to help him. You know, he's looking really good heading into the to the to the uh, to the draw next week and um, you know ahead of the the Usyk and Gossiev fight, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I think Progre has the personality to be a star, um, but yeah, I, I I get your I I get what you're saying there, um, but yeah, man. Uh, what did you think, real quick, Victor? What did you make of the the Pacquiao fight last night? Oh yeah, okay, so. I'm surprised Pacquiao and Matisse actually looked at about the same size. I gauged that one wrong entirely. I've heard a lot of people like complaining about Pacquiao not doing Vada, but this was never going to have Vada anyway. There's like, like, are we expecting like Vada to be done for every single fight ever? Because even that's unrealistic because of the price of it. So, right. I don't think it's actually on anything. I think just just this happened. <laughs> this isn't really <laughs> inconsistent with Pacquiao's previous behavior. When I say his behavior, I mean, like, his in-ring performances. Like, he almost stopped Jeff Horn, like, the ninth round. Jeff Horn's a pretty big guy. He mm-hmm. dropped Jesse Vargas. Jesse Vargas is not, like, a weak guy. Fucked up Tim Bradley pretty badly. So, this is not outside the norm. His performance looked good. He looked fine. He is faded, obviously. But, honestly, I'm not mad at him keeping fighting right now, just as long as he's not in there with, like, a super tough, dangerous guy. It's also nice he's right. fighting in places that don't usually provide boxing matches anyway, like high-profile boxing matches. Because Pac- Pacquiao has, like, a huge worldwide fan base, and him doing that gives people the opportunity that normally wouldn't have an opportunity to see him fight, to watch him fight. That's huge. You know, that is, and I think, I think there, you know, a lot of people were like, why is this fight on ESPN Plus? I think Pacquiao, even in, at this stage of the game, is a, is a really strong name to have, you know, Amar, he's still a marquee name, you know, and he draws a lot of attention. So, uh, yeah. I understand why he was on there and that, that's a good point. Um, now with that said, guys, um, I want to keep it moving. Uh, it'll probably be a short show today. Just, just so that our listeners know uh, after I didn't really have time to go over news and notes because I have, uh, another little one that's not doing too well or he's, he's sick. So, uh, I had to kind of keep things, Kind of had to trim the fat this week, um, but I wanted to talk next about the the uh, Tiafimo Lopez and uh, versus William Silva fight. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, Michael, you said last night, so I know you are. But I don't know where you're at with it, Victor. Uh, I'm all on board this this Lopez bandwagon. Um, I'm not going to crown him the next you know the next big thing yet, uh, but I really liked what I saw. I thought he was impressive and exciting, um, and I think if they keep this kid busy. Uh, and he's only 20 years old, that he could be something, or he has the potential to maybe be something special. Uh, since Victor, since you joined us a little bit late, I'll start with you. Uh, what did you make of Lopez and and uh, and the fight itself? Over the Silva fight? Honestly, uh, that one just saw highlights of it. I didn't really get a chance to, like, really analyze that one at all. Oh, okay. All right. Well, what about you, Michael? What did you make of Lopez? Uh... He's one of my favorite up-and-coming uh, fighters at the minute. I thought he uh, he looked really good. He's impressive. He's got good skills. He's very calm. I think he's quite far ahead of a lot of the other prospects at the minute. 
Uh, I think that's obviously just due to his amateur background. Um, he talks well. He, um, he's flashy in the ring. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of everything that you want in like an up, an up and coming star. Uh, he predicted a knockout. He got it. Um, it was really a one-sided demolition, really. Um, I think they're obviously going to slowly but surely, I hope, uh, pick up the uh, pick up the pace with his, the kind of people he's going to be fighting. I hope they don't rush him into anything. Um, but I think he looks legit. I'm definitely on the uh, on the bandwagon. I'm definitely a Lopez fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I same thing, man. I thought the the kid was really flashy. Um, you can see that. I, I, you can tell just by watching the kid work last night that uh, because of the the competition he had in front of him, he was taking a lot of liberties. Um, you know, and he kept his hands down a lot. Didn't move as much as I thought he could uh, with his upper body, but. Um, it looked, he gave me the impression that, that if he were put in there uh, with somebody, you know, more skillful or so, somebody more seasoned, uh, that he might, you know, tighten, or that he'd be able to tighten up his game and, and do what he has to do to pull out the win. But um, my biggest question or question mark, the biggest question mark for me surrounding uh, Teofimo Lopez uh, is how often they fight this kid uh, and who they put him in there with. Um, because I, part of me worries that they'll either move him too fast because, Obviously, he's he's you know he gained a lot of popularity, made a lot of fans last night, um, and another part of me is afraid that they'll move him very very or too slowly, uh, and you know keep the level of competition kind of weak, um, you know, and then when he gets in there, you know, with somebody legit, he's he's going to be inexperienced and unprepared for uh, what's coming at him. But uh, yeah, I don't know, guys. The guy was really fan friendly. Uh, he, he had a lot of charisma both, you know, on the mic and in the ring. Um, and he's, like I said, he's only 20. So, uh, if he, you know, he and his team do what they're supposed to do and he's developed properly, um, you know, the eye test tells me he could be something special. Uh, but as all things, we have to let it play out and wait and see. Um, what I really did like about uh, Lopez, though, more than anything, guys, uh, and Michael, I don't know if you saw the same thing, but I thought he was fast in there. Um, and his punches were really compact and crisp. Um, he didn't, uh, he didn't really, you know, swing wildly or throw any Hail Marys. Everything he threw kind of had purpose, I thought. Um, I, I won't go as far as to say he was very economical with his punches, but it seemed like, you know, everything he threw had a purpose. It wasn't just, you know, throwaways. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see with that one, guys. Um, now with that, uh, I want to move on to the fight preview, um, and we'll have quite a bit to talk about here. Um, and Michael, I'll start with you on this one. Um, next week on, uh, I think it's HBO, uh, Jaime Mungia makes his return against Liam Smith. And that's going to be for, uh, Mungia's, uh, WBO junior middleweight title. Um, I'm going to go officially on the record and say that Mungia stopped Smith. Um, I don't think Smith is very good. Um, and I don't think that he's going to, or he has the power to keep, um, uh, Mungia honest or off of him. Uh, Michael, where do you stand with this one? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Mungia's fighting the uh, the mandatory Liam Smith because obviously last time he had to uh, he had to pull out due to medical issues. Um, Robert Alcazar, uh, Mungia's trainer, went on record saying that he wants Mungia to win before the ninth round. So I would agree with that. I think it's going to be the same kind of fight of when he actually won the title from Saddam Ali. I think he's just going to be too big, too strong. 
Um, I think he's just going to go in there really and blow uh, Liam Smith out of there. Uh, Liam Smith's obviously going to be the more experienced guy. He's had obviously some bigger fights before than Mungia, but Mungia could look calm and collected when he went in short notice as the underdog against Saddam Ali. Um, I can see it being the same thing. Ninth round, probably even before that, to be honest with you, probably around the middle round, five or six, I think he'll win. Okay. Uh, how about you, Victor? This could actually be a decent fight to watch. I'm picking Munguia to win by knockout, but I could definitely see Smith giving him some problems. We haven't actually seen that much of Munguia anyway. The most we have is this Dama Ali fight, and Ali is a lot sure. smaller. And the way Ali fought was not how you fought some or fight someone that is that much <laughs> bigger than you at all. That is the only way that works. So Smith could have learned from that seeing that he's also bigger than Ali a little bit anyway, so it might be an entirely different fight. We'll get to see. Hopefully it does go to the decision so we get to see more of uh, Munguia to see exactly where his ranks right now, because a lot of people like super high on him and think he's one of the best like new names in the sport, but it's mm-hmm. still a little bit early for that. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think I think with uh, Munguia, and I don't know that we'll get, we'll see it in the Smith fight next weekend, um, but you know he places so much emphasis on offense, uh, even against Ali. There, were, you know, you could see the holes. Anybody that's watched boxing long enough uh, can see the d- defensive well, liabilities he has. Uh-huh. Not really. If you're up against a guy that's that much smaller than you, and you know he can't hurt you, it's actually safer to fight like that because then they're going to try to capitalize on those openings, and then you counter those. Okay. If they can't hurt you, it doesn't matter at all if you get caught by anything. And that's another opening for you to take advantage of. And that's a counter, so it's going to hurt even more. So that's not a bad thing that he did at all. You have to okay. fight the way that, like, <laughs> what your advantages are against your opponent. Okay. Well, uh, Michael, what do you see when you look at uh, Jaime Mungia? Do you see defensive liabilities, or am I? do I just need, like, another... Uh, appointment with the optometrist? Uh, I haven't really seen enough of him. I think against Ali, I think the thing was he tasted Ali's power early on yeah. and then kind of re- realized <laughs> that Ali can't hurt me, so he just went in there and, mm-hmm. you know, he was just his first time on the big stage on HBO, sure. I think it was. So he probably thought, you know what, I'm just going to go in there. He can't really affect me. I'm just going to go in there and knock him out. I think yeah. if he faced someone who was a bigger puncher, and obviously tasted the power and thought, you know what, I need to cover up a bit more, I need to be a bit more defensive, and would maybe know. But I've only really ever seen him once or twice, so that's kind of hard to say. Like maybe against Jared Hurd or Charlo? Or a Triple G? Yeah. Well, yeah, Mungia is pretty <laughs> big, so I don't think he'll stick around 154 forever. Um, I mean, at the same time, everybody at 154 is fucking huge for 154. There's, like, really yeah. nobody in that weight class at the top that belongs in that weight class. <laughs> That's true. I can't argue that. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, I like what I what I what what we saw from Mungia last, uh, last time he fought, but I agree with both of you guys. You know, uh, when you have somebody in front of you that you know can't or isn't going to hurt you, I mean, you fight differently. Um, so... Uh, again, I don't think we'll we'll get too many we'll you know questions answered about uh, Munguia in the Smith fight. Um, but like you said, Michael and Victor as well, you know Smith brings a little bit more experience, uh, at least on the world level, uh, to the stage next week. So there, you know, that he could pose some problems or cause some fits. Um, but I see it ending probably in in the middle of the fight too, uh, just like you do, Michael. Um, 
Now, did either of you guys have anything else to add to that one? No. No? Okay. Um, well, the, uh, and, uh, the next fight happening next week um, is the uh, Alberto Machado versus Rafael Menza fight, uh, and that's for Machado's WBA, here you go, Victor, regular junior lightweight title. Um, I, I didn't know anything about Rafael Menza, guys, before uh, I started prepping today's show. Uh, and the first place, place I went, obviously, was BoxRec. Um, and I put a link in, in the notes that you guys are looking at to his, his resume. Um, I think it was either the last fight he had or the one before that. Um, he was, he's, you know, the guys he's fighting don't have winning records. Um, just based on that and the little information I could find on him on YouTube, you know, uh, I don't see him having much of a shot in this fight. Uh, I think Machado is probably going to stop him uh, at some point. I don't know when, um, but yeah. Uh, what do you think, Michael? I agree. Uh, Menser is for people who don't know, 31 and 0. Uh, this is yeah. going to be his first fight outside of his home country, uh, which is Ghana. Uh, his last fight, he fought Martin. Can't pronounce the last name. And the guy, was, uh, <laughs> eight wins and 14 losses, just like you said. So, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely padded out his record. Um, mm-hmm. I think Machado will win. He's uh, obviously now training with Freddie Roach, the legendary Freddie Roach over in L.A. Sure. Um, it's been 10 months since his last fight, which he says has been good because he's been boxing for 15 straight years, so it's given him some time to rest and some work on, some technical d- details with Freddie. So, yeah, I agree. I think Machado will... I think he'll win, probably a knockout, something like seventh or eighth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a pretty high knockout ratio, uh, 19 fights with 16 KOs. So I can yeah. I can see him carrying that one. Okay. Uh, how about you, Victor? This fight doesn't really matter. I would be very <laughs> upset if I was Machado, though, because how do you beat Corrales for the WBA Super and then they take that away, I guess, or like just don't give it to you and then give it to Javante Davis after he beats somebody that, if I recall correctly, wasn't even ranked at all? What? And that's the WBA for you. That's boxing. <laughs> Disgusting. It makes no sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I agree. I agree. And you know, I, I hate, I hate the sanctioning bodies for the most part, most of the time. But yeah, I mean, the fight's uh, not. It's uh huh. The worst thing about that is that Machado wasn't even supposed to win that fight. Like, how are you coming in as the underdog and then you like rise your expectations? You like go above that and then you don't get any of the benefits from it. That's so stupid. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, but I agree with you. The fight's not super important. Um, with all these, you know, the regular and the diamond and the super champion bullshit going on in the sport, uh, it kind of, t- I mean, normally I normally I have interest in watching any champion fight, you know, just because they're, they're a champion, they're a title holder, they're important, in, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things or within the sport. But... Uh, you know, with this regular bullshit happening, it just kind of, eh, it's, you know, uh, it's just one of those things. I don't really care too much about the fight. Um, I kind of like Machado, um, but I, I mean, I'm not super high on the guy. Uh, yeah, but I, I definitely think he stops him too. Um, now, with that said, guys, I want to move on uh, to the main event of the weekend uh, coming up this Saturday. Uh, and I think it airs early uh, over here in the U.S. Uh, it's the... Cruiserweight 
World Boxing Super Series final match, uh, and it's going to be for the undisputed cruiserweight championship of the world uh, between Alexander Usyk and Miret Gasayev. Um, now, Victor, I'll let you start because I'm sure I'm going to go nuts with this one. I'm super excited about it. Um, who are you picking in this one and why? Okay, so I think Usyk should win. I'm actually picking Gassiev because it's in Russia. I do not expect this to be judged properly at all. If it was anywhere else in the world, I would pick Usyk by decision. But the location matters a whole lot. It bothers me that they, they tried so hard to change the location. And then when Usyk tried to back out of this, they kind of – I don't know exactly what they did. I don't know if they paid him more money or what. But paying him more money in itself is kind of weird because it's like a – like the prize, you know, like the way the tournament works. So I don't know what they did, but I don't trust it. I don't like this. I'm afraid. I hope, I hope Usyk doesn't get robbed, but I don't see how he doesn't get robbed here. As far as like the mm-hmm. matchup itself, how they fight, I think Usyk should beat Gassiev just based on the way the matchup works. He's a little bit more technical. Gassiev is kind of a slow starter. So it was Usyk, but like, Although yeah. Usyk's a slow starter, he is also he has a higher work rate naturally than Gassiev, which if neither guy's landing that much any because Usyk actually isn't that accurate. <laughs> we try to act like he is, but he's really not. But it's going to look like he's doing a lot more. I could see Usyk winning like the first four or five rounds just off top, just from mm-hmm. <laughs> throwing his jab all the time, where Gassiev is like, trying to look for the counters, which doesn't really land too often because it's Usyk. After that, we get mm-hmm. a fight, but I can't see Gassiev legitimately winning, but I see him getting the decision anyway. Even even given the history of the tournament, how it's been fair up to this point, you think that'll happen? What does that have to do with the politics of Russia? Uh, well, I, I think it has more to do with, with the promoters involved than it would the actual Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you also have to factor in that Russia is really bad for Ukrainian right now. If they do that, if like this is on up and up, and like they're aware of that, this is not a good look for anything. This could go really, really poorly. There's no way it shouldn't go poorly, actually. If this was any other country, I'd be like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> I trust this, but I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, even the betting lines reflect that. When this first started off, Usyk was the favorite by, like, what, two to one or even higher, and now Gassiev is the favorite by a small, very small favorite. But that is he shows really? that a lot of yeah, that shows a whole huh. lot right there. When they change the location and then the odds just get fewer just like that, just solely because of location, that's not a good thing. <sighs> no, that is, I'll agree with that. That's kind of that's kind of an alarming that's kind of a red flag, I should say. Um I'm just I'm just I'm I'm not doubting what you're saying because we've I mean the sport has a long history of that kind of shit happening, but the tournament's been so fair up to this point. I'm I'm wondering if 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 that's going to happen. Do we know? I I couldn't find out. I looked. Yeah, we I don't couldn't... know everything. We know nothing about the judges or anything. That yeah, is I was gonna say, do we know who the, the judges are yet? <laughs> yeah, the tournament also. You could argue that Usyk should have won by a wider margin against Briatis. I kind of I understand that, like the scoring of it, but a lot of people disagree with that scoring a whole lot. That could be a sign. Why does Usyk always just fight in somebody else's country, by the way? Mm, that's a good question. That's a really good just question. The fact that they changed the location of this is what bothers me so much. If it was already set to be in Russia, I'd be like, okay, maybe this won't be as bad as it seems, but like, we start off like, yeah, we're going to do this in Saudi Arabia, and then like a couple of months before the fight, nope, Russia. I, nah. <laughs> that's weird. 
<laughs> All right. Well, you have been heard. Uh, what about you, Michael? Uh, who do you think is going to win this one and why? I think it's a great fight. That, um, obviously, mm-hmm. can't be missed if you're a big boxing fan. Two unbeaten champions with completely different skill sets. You could really pick either of these, make a case to obviously who could win. Uh, Gassiev's a patient power puncher with a chance to end things at any time, really. Uh, Usyk's more of a crafty southpaw who breaks his opponent down and also has punching power that can't be ignored. Um, I usually like to go with the higher likelihood of the person who's going to control the fight, so I think I would probably pick uh, Usyk if he goes to the judges. He's a smarter fighter, picks his spots, defends well. Uh, he's kind of relentless in his opening up offensive chances. Uh, Gatsyev can rely a little bit too much on his power, I believe. Um, Gatsyev's actually faced quite a few southpaws before, so you know facing Usyk shouldn't be kind of strange to him. Uh, he's fought Denis Lebedev, Isaiah Thomas, and Felix Correa Jr. Um, but I still think I think Usyk will probably have the skill set to to uh, to beat him. I think just as been a counter puncher with obviously Gassiev being more of a power puncher. I think mm-hmm. Usyk should take it. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm. Oh, go ahead. When he goes up against Isaiah Thomas, he could not defend against a straight left at all, though. Like we kind of forget that because the fight ended in like two rounds. But he was getting hit at will by the straight left, and Usyk is better at doing that than Isaiah Thomas mm-hmm. is. So that's going to be someone to watch out for. Was it Was it you, Victor, last last night or yesterday that said? Somebody told me uh, Breedis gave Usyk all he could handle. Was it you? I never said that. Okay, so I can't remember who the hell it was on my timeline. Um, as I, I had kind of, you know, forgotten about the the Usyk Breedis fight, um, you know, from the semifinal of the tournament. Um, but yeah, it was a good. I mean, that was a really good fight. But that was a good point because uh, that person was picking Gasayev, uh, and they were surprised. I I'm not picking Gasayev. Uh, because I normally, you know, I normally favor the puncher. Um, in this fight, though, guys, I, you know, I'm with you, Michael, uh, in that, and you too, Victor, to a degree. I, I think Usyk uh, will win the fight or should win the fight. Um, I think he's going to probably box and move on the outside a lot, uh, and kind of, kind of move his way to a to an eight four or nine three decision. Um, I could see a scenario where where Gasev, you know, maybe drops Usyk or. Get, you know, puts him on Queer Street or something, but as good as I think Gasayev is, and, you know, we've seen, I, I have a hard time believing that, you know, he can catch Usyk. It's just difficult for me to see, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just for public, you know, rec- for the record, I'm I'm a huge fan of both guys, but more so of Gasayev um, because he can be so destructive, um, and I love, that, I love the way he fights. Um, so I'll be rooting for him on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning here in California, but you know, I just, it's, it's, that's, God, it's, it's tough I, because I wouldn't say it's a pick em fight, but it's, it's kind of close to that in my eyes. It's not an easy fight for either guy. Um, and there could be, you know, some, some dangerous moments for both. So, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's my official pick is Usyk by, uh, you know, eight, four, nine, three decision. Um, unless something happens like Victor, like you said, where, you know, the politics of, you know, nationalism and other things like that come into play. Um, now, yeah. I wanted to ask you guys before there was one bit of news and notes I wanted to go over today, um, but there was one one thing, one more thing uh, regarding the Usyk Gasev fight that I wanted to discuss with you guys, uh, and I forgot to put it in the notes. Um, 
or did I? I may not have. Yeah, I did. Uh, was uh, I've I've had people telling me that this fight isn't as important or as exciting as the Golovkin Canelo rematch in September. Yeah. Oh man, I was fucking fired up it's, last night, guys. I was so like okay, I so was like. On <laughs> go ahead, one Victor. Hand, as far as like this being undisputed, it's kind of weird because Lebedev actually is the WBAC regular. What is he? Yeah, he should be the super though. They kind of like just demote. No, he's not even the regular. They like they put him as a champion in recess and like they gave it to Dorothy, oh. basically. That was weird. Oh, okay. They did that just so this could be undisputed. But I don't care too much because Gassiev already beat Lebedev when De- Lebedev had sure. the belt, so he should have had both belts in the first place anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so you could argue that this is like kind of a weird undisputed because you shouldn't be undisputed, kind of depending on how you look at it. But undisputed means a whole lot. Like this. It's yeah. a historic tournament. This is like the first time this has actually yep. ever happened anyway. Like, how is this not important? Yeah. Is it because it's, there's not American fighting right now because it's not in America? Yeah, I think it's kind of that. But this person was telling me, oh, wait, this fight's in Vegas, and it's the two the two best boxers in the sport. And I, you know, all these things that I was like, whoa, slow down a second here, dude. You know what I mean? You know, Golovkin is one of the best. Canelo's somewhere on that list, I would say. But with all the clenbuterol bullshit, at least for me, and I know other fans that, that agree with me, the, 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 the bloom is off Canelo as far as I'm concerned. You know, but Golovkin's in decline. He won the first fight. You know, number one and number two at middleweight are fighting, so it's better than... I said, but, you know, I told this person, well, look, Usyk and Gassayev are number one and two. We don't know and which guy is number which. One and number two from both fighting everyone else in the fucking division. Canelo has exactly. actually never fought another middleweight exactly. aside from Golovkin, which he should have lost. Right. Soon. Right. And, and, you know, and I told this person, I said, look, you know, this fight's for the undisputed cruiserweight champion in the world. They've been through this hellacious tournament where they fought, you know, the top, the top eight guys competed and it's down to number one and two. I said, you can't ask for a better, you know, final or outcome, you know, uh, to the, at, at, to this point of the tournament. Uh, I just, you know, to be fair, though, it wasn't, it was, uh-huh. I get your point, but it wasn't really like the top eight guys. It was really like the top four and then a couple of guys that we thought were yeah, good. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Had some, they had some fodder in there, which is fine, though. But, I mean, that's still a right. lot better than anything else we've ever seen. Right. Well, let me ask you, Michael, because we're kind of, Victor and I are kind of running away with this. Uh, what what would you say to somebody who would, you know, tell you, no, Golovkin Canelo, too, is, is much bigger and more important than Usyk and Gassayev? I think I can see where the people are coming from, um, but I think if you're more of a boxing nerd, maybe like us three, we can understand and read into sure. why we think Gassiev and Usyk is bigger. I think that one of the main problems is like is how the uh, the final for the cruiserweight world boxing super series has been spectacularly like under promoted. I think because right. of the uh, the date mix up and. Is it going ahead? Like even the boxers and managers weren't too sure where it was going to be, what date it was going to be. It hasn't obviously helped uh, people who aren't nerds like us um, know and find out about it, you know, and really promote it. Whereas the Canelo and Triple G thing has been kind of stuffed down your throat. So I think even we all got sick of hearing about it, when it's going to sure. be, all the Clembuterol stuff like that. So I think... You know, the difference in the promotions obviously helps other people uh, know and hear about Triple G and Canelo and, you know, gets it out to more of the casual fans. So I think that's probably one of the reasons that people seem to think that way. Yeah, well, this, the person that I was talking to about this or brought it to me uh, said, hey, they're, they're, 
they watch every weekend like the three of us do, but they're not, they don't follow the sport like we do. So they're not, I wouldn't call them like boxing nerds like us, but they're, they're somebody, they, fo- they only follow, they follow the sport casually, but watch every weekend. So they're kind of in that in-between spot for fans or fandom. Um, and it, you know, it's just, they're, they're more hyped for the, you know, the, the September rematch uh, than they are for this, uh, and I think it's just because they don't follow it like we do, and they haven't they haven't watched the entire cruiserweight tournament unfold like the three of us have, you know. And I mean, God, Victor and I have been on been on the air countless times, almost for a year now, talking about how we wanted to see Usyk and Gasev in the final and what might happen because it's, I mean, even even if you don't care about it being for the undisputed champ, you know, cruiserweight championship of the world or or any of those other things that are important to the sport and you know, fight fans like us. You know, guys of our ilk, uh, you know, and this is a fight. This is a fight between two su- superior like boxers. You know, you've got a guy in Usyk that's a hell of a technician, and the guy moves like he's a lightweight. And then you've got Goslav, who, you know, can can end the fight with one punch, and he's aggressive, and you know, is always looking for that big shot and does some good body work. So, I mean, I wouldn't call it the boxer versus the puncher, but it's you know, it's it's a good contrast of styles. Uh, happening next week, and it's, you know, number one versus number two, and they haven't done it before, and one guy wasn't robbed on the cards, and they're not running it back because they just want the payday. So, for me, you know, and, and I know I'm sure you two guys would agree, it's, this is a much more important and much more exciting fight from, you know, from a from a fan standpoint. Now, if I were a promoter or anybody involved with, you know, with the Canelo-Golovkin rematch, then yeah, I would, you know, I, I would understand that point of view a lot more, but you know, as a fan and as somebody who just commentates on the sport and kind of reports on it casually, it's 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 much more exciting and a much more enticing fight. It's the kind of fight actually that I would use to introduce somebody that doesn't watch boxing to the sport. You know, it's one of those things where you, hey, come on over, you know, check this fight out type of thing. Um, you know, the I love the presentation in the the World Boxing Super Series. Um, you know, even even the Super Middleweight Tournament, even though it's far less. Uh, exciting and spectacular than than the cruiserweight tournament. You know the presentation is always awesome. So um, yeah, that's that's going to be good. Um, and I I can't wait to 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 you know to review it next week when we come on the air. Um, now, did you guys have anything else to add uh, to the Usyk Gasev fight or to the tournament itself before we move well, on? Going to be leading uh-huh. for this fight exactly. Who's going to be what? Leading. Who's going to be taking the initiative? Taking the initiative, oh, of course, in the fight for the most part. I think Gasev will be the guy who's coming forward. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to go backwards like he did against uh, Dordikos, just because Usyk doesn't doesn't hammer you know his punches like Dordikos does. Um, I don't think Gasev will give Usyk that kind of respect. Um, I think he'll be, but I think it'll be he'll be chasing. You know, he's not going to be catching a lot, and I think Usyk will be probably the ring general just because he'll be pot shotting from the outside i think uh, i think it'll be kind of a i think it's going to be similar to uh golovkin jacobs where you know golovkin was the ring general not because he was you know coming forward like like he usually does or like mike tyson used to it's because he was you know, controlling the pace and, you know in distance with a jab i think it's going to be that kind of fight uh what do you think uh, i really think usik's going to be the one leading here usik doesn't strike me as somebody really? that's going to try to 
avoid Gassiev too much. And I think because of the angles of Usyk and the way he counters anyway, if Gassiev tries to come forward, he's going to normally do it in like a straight line, I feel like, which is going to be really bad. It's going to get him pieced up by angles. So I feel like even if he attempts that, it's not going to work out too well for him. But Usyk's temperament, like in his past fight, seems to be the guy that's moving forward anyway. And yeah. Gassiev, his temperament seems to be the guy that's like content to like sit back and try to counter that, which actually is probably in his best advantage to do so versus Usyk. Because if he tries to do that, it's going to be like coming forward like that. It's going to become like a battle of the jabs, basically. And Usyk wins that all day. He's going to need those counters. Yeah. He's going to need to let Usyk try to take the initiative and like come forward on him. Uh, I can see that happening. That's a good point. Um, let me ask you, Michael, uh, uh, what kind of, uh, Gossiev's kind of known for his body work, um, and he's hurt a lot of guys to the body and put them down. Do you think he's going to be able, do you think not only will he be able to, uh, connect those kinds of shot on, shots on Usyk, but do you think he's going to take that risk? I think Gassiev will, uh, have to try and take the risk. I, I am kind of the opposite to Victor. I think Gassiev will try to stamp his authority and I think Usyk will maybe even try and let him just to, just to the fact that I think Usyk is more of a counterpuncher. So I think it'll sure. work in his best interest if um, if Gassiev, you know, takes the middle of the ring, tries to uh, tries to force his power on him and stuff like that. So, but we'll have to wait and see. Maybe Gassiev is expect is expecting that, and maybe he'll he'll come up to the fight with a completely different game plan because that's the kind of what we're all expecting. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, when he came in against Dordicos, I thought it was going to be a kind of a kind of a. And I know Victor did too beforehand. Uh, we were expecting, you know, a, a war, a straight out war, and it, you know, we got one. But uh, Gassiev was played the, the the role of boxer, in, you know, for the first three quarters of that fight, which was really surprising to me because I thought he'd spent some time coming, more time coming forward. But yeah, if, I mean. You know, him and Sanchez work, you know, might have a, a very surprising and very good game plan, um, you know, for Usyk come Saturday. But, you know, whether whether that's true or not remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, like, but I, I, I'm of the opinion, guys, that this is this is the best fight uh, and most important fight, a, a fight for boxing in 2018, um, with or without the Golovkin fight there, um, just because of what's at stake and, and what's preceded this fight. Uh, in the tournament, um, I don't think I don't know that I would go far so far as to say that this is a, a fight of the year candidate um, because I could see Usyk being tentative against somebody like Gassiev, and I could see Gassiev maybe not getting outclassed but outboxed from the outside. So uh, there might not be as much action as we got in the Dordicos, you know, the Gassiev Dordicos fight, or even the Usyk Breedis fight. Um, but I'm hoping that I'm wrong because I, w- I would love for this to be a fight of the year candidate along with, you know, everything else that's coming with it. Um, but, yeah, anything else on that, guys? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, so- go for it, Michael. Yeah, go ahead. Um, if you remember back in like, December, January time when the, first, when the fight was kind of first arranged for February time, um, mm-hmm. Usyk and Gassiev both said that if they win the Super Series, that they were both going to move up to uh, heavyweight. Oh, man, yes. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. So great minds think alike, Victor. Great minds think alike. Yeah. So, okay. going in the heavyweight landscape? Well, let, let me ask you guys then. Uh, Mike and Michael, I'll let you continue with your thought. Uh, 
how do you think both guys fare at heavyweight? I think Gyasiev would probably fare better. I think uh, mm. Sanchez said that he normally walks around outside of camp at around 225 pounds just naturally. So okay. I think that would do him well. I think his power would uh, would cross over very well into the heavyweights. Um, I think Usyk would. I think his speed, his his variation of punches, his combination punches, he'd definitely be very different to a lot of the other heavyweights. But mm-hmm. I'm just without looking at, and maybe I should have really have checked. I'm not too sure uh, how he'd weigh in. So I think Usyk would maybe take more time to maybe get the natural weight. Um, obviously, he's a little bit older. But I think Gassiev would maybe be um, more natural. He'd fit in. He'd fit in better, and he's actually fairly young. He, I know he looks a lot older. I think he's what is he twenty five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just turned twenty five. Yeah, he just looks a lot older. <laughs> right. It's the beard. It's Gassiev the beard. Looks in his mid thirties, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, that Ru- it's it's that Russian, the hard Russian lifestyle in the beard, man. I'm telling you. But, he looks like a lumberjack. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, as far as what I think, and I'll get to you next, Victor. Um, I think, I think both guys will have limited, I mean, good success at heavyweight, but it's, it's going to be limited. I don't, I don't think either guy, uh, even if the power carries up for Gossayev, I don't think either guy is going to fare very well against, you know, what, what a lot of people call super heavyweights. Um, I think even Usyk would struggle with, with uh, with somebody like you know like Nancy Joshua just because he's Joshua's just so big and so strong and powerful and hits so hard um, and God I think if Gossai were to fight somebody uh, like that even a Wilder even the Wilder is just sloppy and and is hell and he's a horrible boxer uh, I think I think Gossai would be in a lot of trouble just because of the size and probably the you know the the, the strength differential there um, but I think against I think against you know guys like maybe like Parker, uh, guys on that level, um, I think both guys might have some success there and might pick up some titles. Um, but I don't see either sitting at the top of the division at, at any point. Uh, how about you, Victor? Okay, so before I start, serious question: Why are we assuming that Wilder is like such a level above Parker? I I don't necessarily think Wilder is a, uh, is above Parker in terms of of skill or talent. I mean I mean just size, like sheer size and strength. I don't know, man. I don't like because like Wilder has also shown problems against smaller guys anyway. So is Joshua. Usyk also fights better against bigger opponents. I don't think either guy would really have that much of a problem adjusting to the current landscape of the heavyweight division, mainly because okay. they're both technically better than the guys at the top of the heavyweight division. Like, I don't see Joshua doing that well against Usyk's work rate. I like, I think that's really like a 50-50 or like a, a 60-40 in Joshua's favor, but it's not out of the question for me to pick Usyk. I think Joshua versus Gassiev, because of the way they both fight, I would favor Gassiev, but Gassiev versus, or Usyk and Gassiev versus Wilder, I'm picking the cruiserweights there because Wilder hmm. doesn't even use his size correctly. He's not getting full extension off his jab. He doesn't even have a great jab. He gets out jabbed by guys that have been boxing for like four years. He has so many flaws. All he really has is like that Hail Mary punch, which 
that is not a good thing to fall back on. Eventually, you're going to just lose. When I watch you box and I see you getting outboxed every single match by someone, or like getting, like you're losing on the cards in every single match, regardless of who you're fighting, I can't confidently pick you against anybody anymore. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah, well, what about you, Michael? Uh, how would you see uh, either Usyk or Gossev faring at the at the very top of the heavyweight division? Uh, I think Usyk, if he goes to heavyweight, um, he's going to have to go for that kind of just rely on his boxing IQ. I mean, the only person I can really think of who obviously done it is like Evander Holyfield or David Hay. So he's going to have to try and just be the smaller guy and just have a really, really good boxing IQ. We know he's fast. He's got, definitely got good footwork for a larger guy. Um, I just read an interview from a while back, and he says that he wants to try and get up to around 220 pounds so for, when he fights in the, uh, for when he fights in the heavyweights. So I think he's just going to obviously rely on speed, uh, boxing IQ, and obviously the power that hopefully he can generate with the 225 pounds. So weighing in at that, he's going to be at least 30 pounds lighter than someone like Anthony Joshua. So that's kind of a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good those are all good points, guys. Um I yeah, I know both are moving up or said they're going to. Um oh that was the other thing. It just popped into mm-hmm. my head. I hate to digress, but it is it is topic related. Uh yeah, that, that the mystery the mystery uh tournament, the third tournament that's happening in, in season two of the World Boxing Super Series is mm-hmm. rumored to uh, I keep seeing the rumors saying that it's gonna be the cruiserweights again. Now, if without Usyk and Gossev in it, what do you guys what do you guys what do you guys make of that? If that actually turns out to be the case, well, I mean, if if Gassiev and Usyk aren't in it, then I guess Briatus would be the favorite to win. But yeah, there's a couple of other cruiserweights that I can't think of offhand that. Let me just look at the rankings right quick while I'll discuss this. It's somebody in particular that I always forget about that I kind of wish he was in the tournament. So while I do this, either you or Mike keep going. And uh... Uh, Why don't you give us your thoughts, Michael? Uh, I heard rumors, I think last time we said on the show or the time before, I heard rumors it was going to be the light heavyweights. Um, yeah. If we do cruiserweights, to be honest with you, I'm not really a big fan of that because we've already... You're going to be picking <laughs> lesser, lesser names. The reason we kind of like the you know, World Boxing Super Series is they generally get a lot of the big names in that division. They bring in a lot of titles, like the Cruiserweights. We've got, what, four yep. world titles going into this final. Um, yep. So I, I think they should really look at maybe doing an, a different division. If for some reason they can't get the light heavyweights because people don't want to go in, then go to a, a smaller weight. Don't go over old grounds that you've just done. Right. Um, and not have the, the championships because, well, obviously the championships actually might be available if both of them are looking to move up, but you kind of just bleed in that division dry. Yeah, it, and without without Usyk and Gasayev there, um, you know, provided they decide to both move up right away after the tournament uh, and and not stay where they're at, uh, it kind of ta- that would take a huge, you know, a huge chunk out of the excitement away from that, you know running the cruiserweights back again. Um, and even with them there, I think, you know, like you said, Michael, we, we we're just seeing it right now, or it would be a case of, well, we just saw this, you know, not three months ago. Why are we doing this again? Um, I'm not, a, I'm not aware of any new, 
I'm not aware of any new cruiserweights that have entered the scene that that might threaten these guys or, or make you know make the outcome any different than we're about to get. So, uh, Victor, did you find what you were looking for? Well, yeah, but I also want to say that the cruiserweight division also isn't like a glamour division anyways. So I wouldn't try to keep right. focusing on that. Like the only, well, not the only reason, but a big reason why this tournament became as popular as it is because like Usyk is the Olympic gold medalist. Gassiev has been doing what he's been doing. It's not like the division people cared about. The tournament happened and we cared about it because of the tournament. And now the cruiserweight division is like much bigger because of that. But I don't think you can just keep doing that over and over again. But yeah, uh, the Vaslov guy, that's somebody that I, kind of wish was in the tournament, although he's, I mean, he has, like, losses there, but he's not someone that's, like, mm-hmm. complete trash. He has losses when he, like, fought at smaller weight classes. I think since he's gotten bigger, he has improved a whole lot. And there's the, um, what is his fucking name? Still on Boxrec. Tabidi, that was the guy, the young guy. Okay. He's not someone that's, like, I would favor over Usyk or Gassiev, but if they made, like, a new tournament and they were included in place of Usyk and Gassiev, you could get some interesting matchups there. But again, it's not like that's a dream thing, you know. I'm not no, right. elevating the mouth over it. Well, when I'm when I yeah, that's true. Uh, what I'm wondering is if if the rumors are true, uh, you know, and they're gonna they're gonna run the cruiserweights back to us again. Um, I'm wondering that you know if 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 you know once once both guys move up, uh, obviously those titles are going to be vacant, uh, all yeah. four of them. So they, you know, I'm wondering if the tournament would 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 do what it's doing this time again uh, and create another undisputed cruiserweight champion. That I have a lot of interest in, but um, like I said just a few moments ago, there isn't anyone kind of in that in that 200 pound landscape that I'm dying to see in there because we're getting the two best guys right now, and we know who the third and fourth best guys are as well. So um, you know, you would have to you would have to favor Breedis or Dordicos or someone like that. Uh, you know, in a second, in a second go around, but uh, I, I kind of feel like running the cruiserweights back for any reason so quickly would be kind of like, almost like it's a, like a, like a, like a, it's a tournament that belongs in the clearance bin. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is the shit nobody wants. Or we, you know, we've already gotten the best. Now here's the second best. It's just kind of like, eh, you know. So I don't know, uh, but I don't know. I do know that uh, we're getting. Uh, they're doing the draws before uh, the weigh-ins next week on Saturday or on Friday. Uh, so we're going to see the 140-pound and the uh, the bantamweight tournament. Uh, you know, the, the top four seeds pick their opponents um, before the, the, the cruiserweight weigh-in. Um, but I'm wondering, guys, and I want your thoughts, when the hell are we going to find out what this mystery third uh, division tournament is going to be, Michael? I'm hoping they might make an announcement uh, that that day when they do the draws. Uh, okay. Do a big unveiling, maybe. So the sooner the better for me. Cause... Yeah. Well, I mean, they're about to start in September or October, I think. So, I mean, they've got to kind of shit or get off the pot here. <laughs> well, how yeah, about you, Victor? Names, maybe, or something along the lines of that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of what I thought, too. Uh, what, but what do you think, Victor? When do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, hopefully they announce it like the uh, the drawing or the weigh-ins or whatever. But I have no idea when they're actually going to go ahead and go through with this and announce it. But yeah. I don't know why they're waiting. <laughs> You're yeah, not that, really getting anything from waiting. Yeah, that that's the thing. it. Both concerns and excites me the wait um, because 
I think either they're waiting for the right moment so they can drop something huge on us, like the, like a light heavyweight tournament with you know all those guys that we've talked about numerous times, you know, in it, or they're dro- they're waiting because they've got another cruiserweight tournament that nobody really wants to see. So you know, <laughs> uh, it's you know, I don't or think that's the case because people generally didn't really care about the uh, 118, the bantamweight tournament, or like that yeah. in itself, you know. And they just went yeah. ahead and announced that. Same for the 140. So I don't think they're yeah. just like doing the shit, just mm. like make us wait and then give us something bad. Well, see, that makes me a little bit optim, a little bit more optimistic about it because that makes me think, uh, like Michael was saying, you know, business can tie things up. You know, getting all the details sorted out and guys signed. Um, but it makes me kind of lean towards it being something like 175 or, or you know, a division like that where. You know, we've just we've got to see all these guys fight each other. So uh, I hope that's the case. I think I think Friday would be the perfect time for it, uh, just to kind of drop you know drop this huge bomb on everybody. But uh, if it doesn't happen Friday, I don't know when the hell they're going to do it. And like I said, the, the tournaments are supposed to fight or start in the fall, so you know they've kind of got to you know get the lead out here and take care of business. So uh, let's hope that happens soon. Uh, now, the one bit of news and notes that I did want to talk about today, uh, because it caught my eye last night and again this morning, uh, I forgot to put it in the show's notes, uh, but was the uh, the signings that uh, Eddie Hearn has made or is about to make for his DAZN, um, and that was Maurice Hooker, uh, Demetrius Andre, uh, and Arter Biterbiev, as well as Jacobs. Uh, what do you guys, Michael, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you guys make of these signings? Um, and do you think that Hearn can parlay these signings into some big fights for his, his fledging streaming network? I'd like to uh, hope so. I think he's done a good job over in England. Um, mm-hmm. I think he found it a little bit harder over here to, because uh, obviously when he first kind of announced that he was going to be trying to sign people, everyone was looking at your Broners, the Charlos. Um, obviously, so at the minute, he's um, obviously gone kind of like a step below that. Um, but I'm hoping that once he gets a few in and, you know, maybe they start to talk to other people and they find out, you know, that he's paying like over the odds, everybody says at the minute. Um, and Mikey Garcia, I believe, is supposed to be someone they're looking at, like the, kind of like the first big name that he's looking to sign. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully from there he can get some more people. He's going to have to obviously pad it out and get some of kind of like lesser known names as well so they can have some sure. fights. In, in, in-house, in like, uh, obviously, you know, top rank and everyone else, Golden Boy, like to do. Um, but it's still it's still kind of early. So, yeah. you know, it's more of a, a long race than a sprint if he's going to do a, uh, a good deal with all the boxers and obviously, you know, make matchroom boxing in the U.S. Uh, a big name and something that's hopefully going to be here for years to come. Right. Well, what, do you, what do you make of all the signings, Victor? Okay, so I don't like Maurice Hooker. I haven't liked him since he got that <laughs> gift draw against uh, Perez. That shit was weird. He lost what? How many rounds was that? Was that? A, I'm gonna look this up right now. I don't actually. remember. <laughs> yeah, it's either I don't remember if it was like a 12 round fight or a 10 round fight. Uh, Perez, Perez. It was 10 rounds. He lost nine rounds in that fight and got a draw. Like clearly lost nine rounds. You could argue it was a shutout and then got a draw. I have not liked this guy since then. It's not even his fault that that happened, but. I, I no, that was the worst decision for 2016. Other people say like it was Kovalev versus Ward, like something else. That was the worst decision because you can't lose every single fucking round and get a draw. That's that's stupid. <laughs> but uh, you can in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vegas. Yeah, no, that was 
extra uh god but anyway so that one i don't like he's also not really an exciting fighter anyway i don't really know sure. going over there but uh andrade good it worries me about the potential of the uh saunders versus andrade oh, fight. Yeah. yep it actually may accidentally fuck things up there but andrade is nice to see like him signing with Hearn should mean that he's going to get involved in more fights because a big reason he's inactive because of his promotional deal that was he couldn't really do much of anything. It's right. his fault, though, because he had a chance to get out of it at one point, and then he just kept going with it. I don't know what he was doing. BDBF, great. He's been trying to get out of his contract for a minute. Hearn basically saved him there. And who was the other one you mentioned? You mentioned four names. Uh, Jacobs. Uh, Jacobs, yeah. Okay, yeah, we we knew about the Jacobs one before. I'm pretty sure we yeah, covered yeah, that yeah. one, but Jacobs yeah. is a solid one. I'm surprised he's fighting Jeremy Vinchenko. That's a great matchup. I was not expecting that. I was, I think that was like the least likely match of all the like potential ones for the contenders in the middleweight division. That one in the uh, Jeremy Vinchenko versus Andrade fight were the ones that was like, okay, there's no way these are going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I'm with both of you guys. Uh, I think like Michael, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint for Hearn. Um, I'm not too high on Maurice Hooker. Um, Danny Jacobs, I think is extremely overrated. Um, but you know, these guys, most of these guys can fight fairly well and, you know, uh, provided Hearn can actually, you know, get some good matchups, not just in-house, but, you know, with other promotional outfits. Um, I think this, this could be a good thing, especially if uh, his guys are going to fight more than twice a year. Um, you know, PBC fighters like Jacobs and, you know, uh, like, oh, God, Andre, we see even less than PBC fighters. So um, yeah, what I'm hoping happens... Yeah, yeah, I understand that. But I'm hoping with under Hearn that these guys, you know, go back to fighting three or four times a year as opposed to once or twice you know, once every nine months. Um, Cause that's, that's frustrating as a boxing fan, uh, especially as for someone who follows the sport as closely as I do or that we do. Um, now outside of that guys, I didn't have too much else. Um, so I had planned on a short show. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to discuss today before we, we uh, call it a day? Well, this is just a rumor, but apparently Adrian Broner got beat up in the strip club in Houston. What? Yeah. what? Yeah, I had not night. seen that anywhere. Wow! Yeah. Did you had you had you read that, Michael? Uh, yeah, I posted it on Twitter earlier today. Oh Supposedly shit! Got, I totally missed it. he got beaten up by some rapper. Some rapper, yeah. Oh. So it didn't have a name So. Jesus some rapper Christ. I don't recognize. His name started with a B. I have no idea who that guy is, though. I don't remember his name. It's oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Adrian Broner reportedly beaten up by rapper in strip club. Hi, yai, man. This guy. Wait, does it just say by rapper in strip club? They didn't even mention his name. In, yeah, like, it doesn't. G- it? Yeah, it doesn't give the rapper's name at all. I'm I'm looking on a couple of different articles and it doesn't say so. Oh, that's uh, terrible. You beat up a boxer and you don't even get any clout for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, it, it, I mean, Broner's one of those guys. I mean, Victor, you and I talked, especially uh, on the air, about it quite a bit, especially when we first started the show about how, you know, there, there isn't a lot of, there isn't any really mentoring in boxing. It's just, you know, promoters and, and networks taking a chunk of your money and, and, you know, letting, letting these young guys that come from uneducated backgrounds figure it out on their own. Uh, but Broner takes things like a step further than those guys do. I mean, this guy can't get out of his own fucking way. Um, it, 
part of me feels really bad for him just because he's a human being that obviously he, he has, he makes a lot of bad decisions. And I mean, he's a grown ass man. He's almost, they just turned 28. Um, but I mean, you're 30 years you know, old, Marvin. What are you doing with your life? Yeah, it's just. I mean, how much longer? Uh, how how much longer before he makes a decision that's going to cost him his, like his health, his permanent health, or even his life? You know, I, it's just. Oh God, I, I mean, does he, Michael? Perhaps you, I, I, you, you get out there in the field. You're kind of our guy in the trenches. Um, you know, uh, you talk to boxers and trainers all the time and visit gyms and whatnot. Uh, do you hear anything about Adrian Broner at all, like good or bad? Uh, mostly bad. I think most <laughs> people have kind of the view that we have that, you know, he's going to – he's just trying to fight, trying to get as much money as he can, and he's maybe going to end up kind of like Manny Pacquiao where he's going to be fighting into his late 30s and because oh. he just wasted all of his money, but – I think because he doesn't take the sport as seriously as Manny does, even though Manny wasted his money, he's gonna, you know, end up like a gatekeeper, or a journeyman where he's fat, he's overweight, and he's still fighting. Because um, mm. he's just always now, you know, he's still he's not in his prime anymore. You know, we've started to sure. say already that he's kind of a gatekeeper, and he's getting out of shape when he's not fighting. He's always out drinking and partying and. Starting fights in Vegas, starting fights in Houston. So, you know, he may even end up in jail before before long if he carries on like this. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm I, I don't even really know what to say. I mean, we all kinda laugh at these headlines every time Broner does something stupid or says something stupid and I and I like that I like that persona he brings, you know, to the sport. It's always entertaining, but like I said, it's just, just from one human being to another, I, 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 it's like, you know, I, I want to call the guy on my cell and be like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? You know, you're grown ass and you're, you're, you're almost 30 years old, you know, uh, you know, start making some decisions that are going to help you in the long term because when you're 40 or 50, you know, or even my age at 45, you know, you can't do the things you used to do. And it's tough. It's really fucking hard to change gears you know, even in your 30s to say, I don't want to do this or I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go be this or, or do this. It, you know, he's not going to make the money he's making now. So, you know, the, 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 the choices he's been making throughout his 20s and the choices he's making even today, uh, you know, are going to are not only going to hurt him short term, but are going to hurt him in the long term as well. Um, I mean, I've got a ton of acquaintances and friends that have, you know, it was cute when we were in high school and it was fun when we were in college, but you know, when the testosterone stops pumping through your body at a, at a thousand miles an hour and you, you, you start getting, you know, taking on other responsibilities or you need to, uh, you know, the, that shit comes back to haunt you physically and financially and in, in a number of other ways. So, you know, I hope somebody can take this guy under his wing or, or at least, you know, maybe knock some sense into him, you know, in one way or another and, and get him to straighten out. But my gut feeling tells me that that. Broner's going to be one of boxing's sad tales, um, you know. Hopefully not like uh, Johnny Tappy or anything like that. But uh, you know, I, even even though it, you know it's it would be much better to see him be a gatekeeper than to wind up dead or you know living in the gutter. You know, I, I like Michael, like you said, I don't want to see. I don't really want to see him fat and overweight and fighting at thirty eight or thirty nine or forty, just because he's got nowhere else to go and nobody to help him. So, 
You know, yeah, I mean, it, it is humorous that he, you know, he got beaten up by a rapper. There's a, there's a funny side to that, I guess, but it's, it's also sad, for, you know, from the human aspect of it. But, you know, Broner is going to do what Broner wants to do, apparently. And, you know, I don't think he, I don't, I don't know too much about his upbringing or, or, you know, I don't know what kind of foundation he had coming up. But, you know, a grown man's got to do what a grown man's got to do, I guess. And, you know, he seems like one of those guys that, Nobody can tell any difference, so I don't know, guys. I don't know, but if uh, if I can find out who beat him up, I'll make sure I let you guys know, and I'll post it on Twitter oh, immediately. No. <laughs> I can, uh, I thought Did you that, find it? Is it a well-known like, uh, rapper? It's not a well-known rapper. That's what I was saying. Like He's a guy that I didn't know. I heard the name, and I have never heard him before, but they posted it. And let me see. Look this up on this forum where I read it. I'll just type in Broner and search and blah 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 beat up and drive to the strip club and first page has his name as boston george the fuck is that even how you say that i guess yeah boston george in houston boston. i wasn't aware there was boston, a boston george. george in houston but yeah he doesn't have a big following at all Huh. This is expected. Okay. He's likely one of those like SoundCloud rappers or something like that, but still counts as a rapper, especially given like the streaming age that sure. we're in currently. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Huh. That's yeah, like I said, that's both humorous and unfortunate, but Jesus, man. <laughs> All right, guys, do you have anything else? Nah. No. No, okay. Well then we'll call it an early day today. Uh we did about an hour and 15, 16 minutes. Um, I'm super excited about the World Boxing Super Series tournament, um, and I'm sure we'll be talking uh, on Saturday about it uh, before the fights and during the fights. I'll probably be streaming it uh, or watching it through Rabbit. You guys are always welcome to join me, as is any of our listeners, our Twitter followers. Uh, if you like what you heard today, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at, at @splitdboxing. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @splitdboxing. You can follow uh, Victor Atkinson on Twitter at at 757Vic. And, of course, you can follow Michael Shepard on Twitter at at mshep10. Uh, we'd all love to hear from you. Uh, you can visit the splitdboxing.com website. And if you are so inclined to do so, uh, you can support the Greater Split Boxing Network on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash splitdboxing. So for my two uh, awesome co-hosts, Victor and Michael, uh, this is Scott Jarvis saying enjoy the fights, and we'll talk to you next Sunday.